Hello, and welcome to a podcast about friendship, How We Roll. Uh, this is a special bonus episode of Roll for Friendship. Uh, we wanted to do a little bit of a like behind-the-scenes fun episode. We just recorded our 10th episode, and we also just clocked... Um, over, well, I don't know if it was recent, but we noticed that we've clocked over 500 listens on our first episode, and we thought that was really exciting. Uh, and we just wanted to do a little bit of a behind-the-scenes, chat about some things, chat about our inspirations, uh, and that sort of stuff. So it's not going to be everyone's uh, – I said cup of tea last time. It's not going to be everyone's jug of juice. Red Bull can. What did you say, I thought Jesse? we were just speaking about methods of caffeination. Okay. I I, I, it's just cup of tea. Yerba mate. Yerba mate. All right. Do you wow, just want to... very culturally aware, John. Introduce Thanks. yourselves. This, I mean, we've all said each other's names at this point, although no one said my name. Jim. Jim. I planned to say your name previously. Okay, Jim. Did you Thank get that, you. Jim? All right. So, I'm Jim. I'm here with Jesse and John. Uh, John plays Hatchet on the podcast. Jesse plays... Frank on the podcast. We also previously played different characters in our D&D run, um, which we did want to kind of touch on. Uh, Jesse played... Goliath. Goliath, that's right. Um, I played, I don't know, characters. Clever, Rain, and... Benevolent. Benevolent, that's right. An old dude. Uh, And John was the DM of that session. So um, I thought maybe we jump in by like... Why are we not playing D&D anymore, John? It's probably a few reasons. Uh, primarily, I think we started doing quests. We did the Mischief Mountain episode, which was always designed to be a one-shot. Uh, and I think we just had a really good reception on it. Um, so we ended up playing another. And then I think it just kind of rolled from there where we were just really enjoying playing quests. We were enjoying the system. We were kind of enjoying having a bit of a lighter crew it just made it a little yeah. bit easier to um, make the episodes, uh, and then at the same time, yeah, it just it it helped us downscale a little bit um, and just run a bit of a lighter crew, and mm. that's been good. So, yeah, um, we are trying to find ways to kind of incorporate um, the other members kind of back into the podcast, but yeah, it's mm. just easier to, to to coordinate three people than five people. Yeah, uh, as you can imagine, I, I think that. Dan will definitely be jumping in on some sessions. Um, I've got some plans, but, and like we might do some stuff with him if we play some specials that is not Quest as well. Um, but Zach won't actually be coming back to joining us. He realized when he was taking a break from playing that he wasn't enjoying playing a recorded session. Uh, so he has actually finished up with the podcast. But I think the other big part of the reason why we have gone away from D&D and stuck to this quest thing is we just realized how much animosity the characters all had towards each other. Yeah. Yeah, I think, like, I think Gobiath, um had a lot of, like, issues with Clever. And then when he left... Um, the episode where clever was in, sorry, where benevolent was introduced. Um, I don't think I was present because I think we said that, narratively speaking, we said that I was sick. That's on right, seasick. But at the time, I think I had done like six shifts at work, and then the day off was that day, that morning. And you, were, um, it was an eight a.m. session. I think we booked in. I slept completely through it. I remember yes. this. 
And uh, and I even slept through to the point where I slept through the entire session, woke up after it and thought, oh, crap, I wonder if I can get there in time. And you guys were done. And I was like, ah, I'm a bit of a dick. So, <laughs> but anyway, the point being that Gabayath didn't really know Benevolent or was never really like, as much as I am a friend to you in real life, James, it was like almost like I had to be angry at Clever and then, and then I didn't know Benevolent. Mm. So, it was like... Yeah, it was a really odd experience because playing the character there in that situation is to be like a bit of a dick towards you. So yeah, I think yeah, everyone I didn't enjoy that. Like in terms of the characters in that campaign, I think everyone was kind of a little bit playing for laughs. Um, I don't think yeah. we had uh, like which I think was cool, and we we mm. ran we definitely ran like a particular kind of game out of that. Um, but it did. Felt like there wasn't ever going to be a point where we could kind of land earnest moments. Yeah. Um, it was all kind of goofs and I think mm. we struggled. I mean, we took a risk by kind of when we started the podcast, we invited some people in that hadn't played a lot of tabletop RPGs, um, which we thought that dynamic would be interesting and it was, but um, it did make certain things difficult. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it was just like we were wanting to make a like not just as a joke, but we were genuinely wanting to make a podcast about friendship. Like we are all friends. Um, and that was kind of, at least for me, that was a really driving force. Like, um, I wanted it to be this enjoyable experience. The listeners could be part of our friendship really. Um, and enjoy this narrative about friendship. Uh, but so I guess the premise always for me was like the characters would build towards this place of friendship. And it just felt like we got to this point where that just wasn't going to be possible. Um, So like, yeah, obviously we did the quest as the one off and then it kind of just ended up working out. Um, Can I throw a spanner question in the works for all of that? Yeah. If like, hypothetically speaking, if we were to pick up where we left off, what arc would you take that story in that would redeem our original purpose of friendship in that story. John, I think I would ask you because you are writing that story. What would you do to like make that work again? Or what would you have done differently to make that element work? Oh, I just mean like right now where we stand because where we left off is that we are up to the second God or something. And I think creating more situations in which... Um, the characters had to kind of like work through that stuff. I think the, I think I was in a, I don't know, I, I kind of rushed through that campaign a little bit. I was always putting the next kind of story carrot in front of you. Um, uh, as far as like, and I, I think I was very keen on like telling the kind of macro story that I was wanting to tell and maybe didn't focus quite as much on the kind of the relationship aspect. Um, yeah. So you would like, Get more towards the people, I guess. Well, I think when we left that one off, you guys had all just been arrested and that was kind of my play to kind of bring it a little bit, like grounded a little bit because I think it was very much like the gods are doing this and there's this big plot and I think that there needed to just be this moment of like humbling a little bit of just like, well, now you're in jail, so what are you going to do about that? Um, Which did have some like broader story aspects to it, but... Like, I just think that was my attempt to kind of bring it back down to just like, like we could have had a fun kind of prison break arc, but also, um, yeah, 
it was just like, well, you're prisoners now. So, and like, just kind of hoist you on your own petard a little bit of just like, well, you were disorganized and you didn't make like a lot of decisions and you weren't playing as a team. And so now, like, you're just kind of forced into the situation. Consequences. Yeah. Gabayath came into this prison with all of the schematics tattooed onto his stomach. <laughs> <laughs> so, I want to jump back to Quest because I'm assuming that the majority of the listeners. Well, I mean, we know this, that the majority of the listeners have come to us through Quest, not through D&D. Um, so, uh, I thought it'd be good if we could maybe talk about our inspiration. So, like, um, I'll just chat about my inspiration with the story, which honestly is probably apparent to many people. Um, and then maybe you can talk about the inspiration with your characters, which I think will probably be interesting because this started off as a one shot where we <laughs> named a town Mound Town uh, because it was a yeah, mountain that was, town. Um, that was not a lot of foresight. But we, we were talking and it was like, huh, how funny would it be to call it Mound Town? So I was kind of in this interesting place where we had just done this one shot and I had to turn it into something and I had some great ideas that still we're working towards the payoff of um, but that I'm really proud of and happy with how this thing will pay off but like in managing to incorporate that whole first uh, session but I think my biggest inspiration actually with the campaign is this TV show Supernatural because uh, I kind of see this as like a road adventure where it's these two brothers having to like travel together and move through these situations together that are like maybe big and earth shattering. Um, but it's really like to me, it's become this podcast about like friendship, but also about brothers. Brotherhood. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, it it definitely experience well we definitely experienced raw moments recently mm. where um like i mean in that um most recent episode where zero died i actually felt really um guilty because the choices that john and i as as pe- people playing the characters actually removed one of our biggest fans character out of the arc and i actually felt horrible and at the same time uh Obviously, Frank felt horrible for um, killing or, you know, being indirectly responsible for the death of Frank, uh, for the death of Zero. So, there, w- there wasn't a lot of, um, like, it wasn't hard to draw from a, a point of vulnerability, if not, like, it was a bit of a sidestep from feeling a bit crappy to being like, I feel like an awful person as mm. Frank. But yeah, no, that was, um, and to to speak about that as well before. I think that's probably one of my favorite parts of, of the podcast so far has been that um, that funeral scene, for mm. sure. Yeah, I, I thought that was great. We actually had this moment that uh, kind of didn't come through editing process um, just because we do do a bit of editing to try and make this as listenable as possible because uh, obviously not all actual plays are very listenable. Um, but we we had this moment where we all realized that zero was dead. Um, that like zero hadn't come through this moment. And as a consequence of what had happened, that zero was gone. And I just remember us all kind of like looking at each other in this moment where we've realized this thing. And we're all kind of, we had this shared sad moment. And I did actually walk away from that episode and was like, I feel genuinely a little bit sad that that character is gone. Uh, which was not what I expected. I think there's even me saying in there to James, which I don't think I meant to like get into the podcast, but I was like, maybe we can get him 
back somehow. And you were like, nope, nope, he's not coming back. And I was like, oh man, like how harsh. But yeah, no, I I think I was like extending an olive branch there. I was like, please make there a narrative reason for it. Like we can bring him back, but no, yeah. I told you my biggest inspiration is supernatural. Anything is on the table. <laughs> it doesn't really play like a monster of the week type show though. No, like, no, I no. think like not that aspect of it. No. By that definition, is is the TV show House a monster of the week? <laughs> it's, it's case of the disease week. of the week. Lupus yeah. was the monster the whole time. I was going to say House was the monster the whole time because <laughs> I mean he you're not wrong. Created an abusive workplace. All right, so John, do you want to talk about the inspiration between but behind Hatchet? Um, if there if there is some, or if that kind of just evolved. Yeah, I mean, obviously, when we first started, it was just, I'll create a ranger because that'd be fun. Um, and I would think I wanted an animal partner. I think I was pretty clear about that in the first episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we were, I was like, on the lookout. He wanted a kick-ass one too. Yeah, I wanted Not something cool. Um, Which, by but, the way, Badger is a great animal to I'm have. so if glad I could, that that's where we it, landed. I don't think if I thought about it, I could think of a better animal for there to be yeah. because it's so iconic. I'm glad then, I like pushed for a, for something other than whatever we were finding. I would have really enjoyed a goat, to be honest, but goat. yeah, Good badger's thing. great. Yeah, uh, But I think kind of once we started to try and build some story around Hatch and Frank, I think one of the, I guess, um, what, do you, what do you call it, like pop culture um, touch points for me is maybe like Dread Pirate Roberts slash Wesley from oh, that's fun. Um, Princess Bride. Uh, just in terms of like, I feel like he is this like reluctant villain, anti-hero kind of thing. Like I, I think there's that mm-hmm. that kind of aspect that Hatchet has where he's kind of not really a ranger. He's not really in his kind of profession by choice. Um, mm. He feels like he kind of has almost been forced into kind of becoming this person. Uh, and I just kind of like that idea of like, it's hard to kind of see what of Hatchet is truly him and what's like this persona that he's had to take on um, to kind of take care of Frank and, and do what he needs to do. Yeah, that's, that's cool. I did not realize that was kind of, um, you're thinking behind the character in terms of a touch point. That's really interesting. I, I think Rufio has definitely been a standout uh, <laughs> character. Like I've heard a lot of feedback from a lot of different fans that Rufio is the favorite. Um, someone was telling me on Discord that, well, they were like, they went straight to the character from Hook, which obviously that was the inspiration behind the name Rufio. But they were saying that they picture the badger with the like, purple bit of hair that Rufio has in I'm Hook. I'm not aware of Hang this on. Rufio. I was going to say, John named the character. Who, who yeah, is, didn't you what name was the, the actual after... inspiration for Rufio? I think it was just, I think, like, honestly, I think it was just a name I pulled out of nowhere. Okay, because I have sometimes referred to you, John, as John Rufio Pass. Yeah. So, I assumed that, like, you were aware that that was a hook reference and that that was you pulling the hook reference. No, I thought that was just like, I remember when first, like one of the first D&D campaigns I ran, remember that golem we called it Rufio? Yeah. 
I thought that was a hook reference at the time. No, that was. I think I was subtly calling back to that moment that only we would understand, um, like you and I, Jim. And it, I thought it was just like a fantasy name that we used a lot. It's a character in the movie Hook. <laughs> I've Robin seen Williams. Hook, but I don't remember this character. I don't either, either myself. I, I've seen Hook as doing well. Doing a quick Google. I'm going to join you on that. Oh, journey. right. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. Because all I can think of is the guy, um, the short guy. I mean, if a person was a badger, that's probably what they'd look like. That, yeah. Yes. So, I, I thought that was great. Anyway, <laughs> Jesse, did you yeah. have anything to add in terms of inspiration for Frank? Because I asked you that question and you answered a different question. And it was a good answer, but I was just <laughs> thought I'd check back in. <laughs> it's a good answer that I didn't want. Um, yeah, so the inspiration for Frank, I think in my head, um, like I wanted um, Frank to be, uh, first of all, the name Frank was obviously from Hatchet and Clank, the the name. Ratchet uh, and Clank? Sorry, Ratchet and Clank, Hatchet and Frank. Yes, that was the obvious, because John named his character Hatchet yes. first. I thought Frank was hilarious for two reasons, because Frank is a really masculine and ocker name mm-hmm. in my mind. And then also because Hatchet and Frank. Anyway. I'm just going to uh, say, Oka is not a word that any other culture other than Australians are going to get. And most of our listeners are not Australian. Oka, like as in bogan or another redneck. word that would work. Re- yeah, redneck for Americans or if like you're in Europe, maybe like Central Australian. Think like Paul Hogan in yes. Crocodile Dundee. Paul would have been a great name. Uh, and then, and then the other thing I kind of wanted to do, um, which seemed to have landed with great effect, was um, kind of make a person who was almost like touched with grace, or touched with like this air of just like everybody wants to be around them, everybody wants to speak to them, every like, and you leave the encounter with this person, and you're like, who was that person, kind of thing? Who is she? Who is he? Or like, you know, I don't know. I think. There are people that come in and out of our lives that are like that and I definitely have a few friends that are like that where just everybody wants to know them and I think mm. that's where I wanted to lead Frank Where yeah. and, and it just so happened that you made him a fate spinner which kind of plays into that. Uh, I think mm. that was where I, with my um, descriptors, was like, I just want this character to be like an angelic being almost, like mm. this person that's fallen from heaven and landed in front of you and talking to you kind of thing. And I think a lot of Hatchet kind of developed out of that dynamic as well because not like to be a straight man to that or, or even like the antithesis of that, but just to kind of as a little bit of a counterbalance to that, I think Hatchet often brings that kind of pragmatism to Frank's mm. like just kind of constant optimism, which I think kind of levels I it out. I think that something that we kind of hit in a flashback in that flashback scene was this concept that um, Hatchet had been the caretaker for Frank and had kind of like had to do some of the raising of him. And I feel like that really came through in a lot of the way that you guys have played the character that has been like Hatchet is kind of the older brother that takes care of his younger brother. And maybe that's just because like that is actually like you are the older brother, John, and you are the younger brother, Jesse. I don't yeah. think John really had a caretaker role as such in my life, yeah, in real life. But I think it would have been easy for him to imagine that being the case. And it was definitely easy for me to imagine <laughs> what it would have been like had that been the case, I guess. Fair enough. 
Like, what it was funny been about easy that? for John to think that he took care of me when I was young, but he didn't. Oh <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. It, 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 he definitely thinks he did. No, it, yeah. it was definitely easy to get into the character of a tired caretaker in the first <laughs> year of my child's life. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's fair. That's true. Yeah, I guess all three of us have kind of had kids through the, um, through the series, um, which has been an interesting dynamic. I think. Like, that's been kind of the reason why we've had some special episodes early on. Um, but on that fate spin a bit, what is, I guess, your current understanding of where things stand with that? Because, yeah, I'm I'm just curious, like, what do you guys think with that? John? I think maybe we are both fate spinners, is kind of being implied. But I, I'm not really sure what it means in the grander scheme of things. I, I like, I think on a like an interaction scale of like what it means game mechanic wise, it's somewhat clear. Like it seems mm-hmm. to create a general level of entropy wherever we go. But what it means for like the macro story that we're heading into, I'm not sure. Mm. Okay, yeah, cool. I was just curious. <laughs> I, I guess I could have I asked think that from in my person. perspective. I um. Like, I, I have two perspectives of it. My character perspective and then my player perspective. I'm asking from, your player perspective. Well, from my player perspective, I think it's something that, like, it affects what we're doing, but it doesn't... Partic- it's not something I can particularly control. So, it's kind of just like... It's there. Mm. It's it's nothing I can do about it. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was just curious if, like, you thought that just one of you was the fate spinner or if you thought two of you were the fate spinner. I definitely thought about it since um, since Hatchet shook um, Fabian's hand just before I had thought, is he a fate spinner or did I rub off on him, which is what I said in the podcast um, mm. only moments ago. It's a little bit like playing a wild magic sorcerer accidentally in D&D. Yeah, yeah, you roll on a table. That, <laughs> in fact, is that how, just to peek behind the curtain, is that how you run some of the... Yeah, so the way that I'm doing it is pretty much like... Um, I'm still, I'm rolling your D20 for that. Um, some of those I've told you about. Some of those I haven't told you about. Like some of those have been yeah. behind the scenes. There was even one that happened off episode that I just kind of announced in a um, Harold the Herald announcement. Which was what, sorry, if it's not revealing too much? Uh, I rolled the fate of Gorak off of screen. Ah, um, oh, right. That so makes sense. her going through a portal and... Uh, the king and her meeting and falling in love like that was a decision that happened as a result of you guys i think i think you shook a hand someone shook a hand um and i rolled off off podcast we were notoriously that. very aware of when you wanted to shake hands <laughs> yeah it was so I feel funny like you made it like, a thing though you were suspicious from the jump though like it yeah because been intri- i feel like it, what is it like in the episode three or four of the D podcast john made somebody hurt us because we shook their hand Did and he? so i i thought yeah i was sure that john's done it to us at least once okay. john has sprung a trap on us like that once before maybe mm. so i was super dubious and it was me first i was the one that was going to get a handshake and i was like there's no way i'm shaking this person's hand uh, what i was saying was i've been rolling a d20 uh and if it's above 10 it's positive if it's below 10 it's negative um but the scale of how bad it is or how good it is depends on the role 
Um, with the Fabian thing, I think I rolled like a three. So I was like, that's pretty bad, um, but not crazy uh, bad. What's so bad about Gorak marrying the king? Oh, wait, no, that was the Fabian thing. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. That was a John roll, though, wasn't it? Or you got John to roll. But yeah. I don't remember. That was a while ago. Um, so Jesse asked the answered the question that I didn't ask of like what your favorite moment so far was. Uh, looking back at the previous 10 episodes of Quest, what would you say your favorite moment so far has been, John? Lots of good ones. Uh, the scene where we convinced the eagle to join us was pretty funny. Um, I liked when we put the eagle thing on the um, the trickster and he said, my ex! <laughs> that was um the flashback that we mentioned before <laughs> we yeah we did do that jim the flashback i think it was a good like i just enjoyed that as a way of um kind of fleshing out hatchet's character a little bit mm. um because i think maybe some of the time he plays a, as a little bit of an arrogant asshole so i think having that rounding of just like a little bit At of one point he insight into his motivation well, he's, I think he still cares, but like, yeah, it's, um, yeah, uh, I think um, there was a moment kind of after the funeral in the last episode or episode before last that I thought was that kind of landed in a way that I felt oh, yeah. really good about. You and uh, like Hatchet and Frank kind of having a conversation about Frank being a fate spinner. Yeah. That moment. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I thought that was a great moment too. Um, I think that for me, thinking back at like one of the highlight moments for me, it's such a dumb moment, uh, but there was episode three, which I think is even called Secret Herbs and Slices. Um, there was <laughs> yes. this bit where Jesse was like- I had been like, that up for so long. Jesse was like, oh, I know the perfect thing that you can say for your quiplash. Like, I've got the perfect joke for this moment. Um, and so we were just, like, prepared for this amazing joke. And you came out with that secret herbs and slices joke. And it was so dumb. But, like, John and I both just It was chicken. It. We were killing chickens. <laughs> KFC. And I think we just found it so funny. It was just such a moment of joy. I remember you found it funny and John hated it right away. <laughs> I don't know. It was just like, yeah, it was just such a joyful, fun moment that I was just like, I'm having so much fun playing with you boys. Um, and that was, yeah, that was a nice moment. I, I think that part of what I've enjoyed about playing Quest with you guys is just I walk away from every time being like, that was really fun. That was really refreshing. Um, whereas with some of the D&D sessions, I think just because of the, um, the tension between the characters, I walked away being like, I am tired. I need a nap. <laughs> uh, but these ones I walk away being like, I'm energized. And so that's been really nice. And we touched on my favorite being the funeral. I think also I, I just really like, um, I do really like the way you have paced out our story, um, Jim. I I, just in a general sense, I do really enjoy the way it's been going. That's I don't have a particular favorite moment in that way, but I have really enjoyed it the way it is. So thanks. Other it, than the funeral, it's been nice being able to be pretty relaxed with the pace. Yeah, like not really. It's kind of funny that we've had these timers <laughs> going all the time. Like um, you guys had that initial timer, and now you kind of had that timer to the wedding and to the execution of. Um, Goodness, I can't believe I forgot his name. Moopit. 
Moop it, yeah. You got the that kind of timer going, and like the timers of the palm battle. But like, despite those timers, it just feels kind of relaxed in terms of pacing, making it at least. And so that's been kind of fun. Uh, do you guys want to talk about your favorite NPC? And if, if you guys have any questions, then we'll do that, and then we'll probably wrap. I think maybe um, one of my favorite moments with NPCs, particularly, was the. Um the gnomes in was it, sorry not the gnomes goblins the goblins in in the first cave in ring um, of the dragon yes episode where two one was called rotgut or ratgut <laughs> rat and yeah. one was called trevor stink something and then the other one was called trevor and i i really liked trevor obviously everybody loves trevor um and yeah, the, I think Trevor would take the cake for me. Other than other than Zero, obviously his brother. That but, was a fun um, moment. I enjoyed the like. Um, obviously, I did a deeper voice then, and you guys kind of seemed a little bit taken aback uh, in the moment. <laughs> it was good. And I enjoyed yeah, that. That was good, Trevor. I think Hatchet hasn't liked Hatchet as a character. Probably hasn't liked a lot of NPCs. So. Yeah. I don't know. I remember the ones that I didn't particularly. <laughs> Listening back to um, the first episode where we ran into uh, the university person, I'm forgetting yep. their name. Uh, oh my goodness! How can something I forget? It's like Francine or something like that. <laughs> no. Yeah. Not that, but uh, yeah. Yeah. I just I was Theodora. Like, Theodora. Yeah. Yeah. The eagle was a highlight. He was good. <laughs> um, yeah. So thinking back to you meeting Theodora, I just I just remember not wanting to have a bar of it. That's not funny. as a player, like yeah, yeah. I think I've never I've never like trying to shut down Jim's ideas as a player. But I think mm. I think that came at the end of like a lot of I think every NPC we kind of encounter is just like, well, you're this kind of a thing, so you need to do this thing for us. Like, and I think Hatchet as a character was just a bit like. Hey, I'm kind of sick of being told like I'm this thing and that that has this implication. Mm. Like, especially because I think when we did Mischief Mountain, I think the whole thing and and definitely some of this has been kind of decided retroactively, but I think the whole thing is like getting away and just like having an adventure and just doing something like light and fun. Mm-hmm. Um like I kind of imagine that immediately before Mischief Mountain was like this is Frank and Hatchet leaving their home, like, and deciding yeah. that they just can't stay there anymore. Like, yeah. so I think that puts a bit of a grim tone on that episode that, like, is kind of this fun little jaunt and adventure. Mm. But it's like, it's actually just them being like, we can't stay here anymore. Like, this isn't our home. Uh, yeah. We're not welcome. Yeah. Um, so I think just there's this, this, like, constant, when you listen back, there's this constant, just like, expectation being lumped on that mm. I think makes the animosity with between the NPCs gonna come up. Yeah. And I think in a in a character sense for Hatchet as well, um it it wasn't really fair because the whole point is that situations occur that aren't his fault and aren't Frank's fault really, because he's a fate spinner. But like Hatchet is just left to deal with the consequences and and, and Theodora pretty much just encapsulated that whole concept and like blurted out in one go the moment we met her and i even think you said it quite quickly and i was like what did he just say because you were like the people are trapped in the town it's all your fault there's fire you need to go fix this go Mm -hmm. and i was like 
really? Like, what? Yeah. Say that all again. Yeah. Because I don't know so. if we've said it on the podcast or if it was like conversation that we had off air, but um, I th- no, I think we did talk about it on podcast that like Moundtown was maybe like so pragmatic that they didn't learn a lot of like stories about the world and like myths about the world. So like you guys were kind of a bit cut off from this concept of fate spinners that was like actually a large part of the wider world. Yeah. And I'd like to think that we didn't run into um, heralds yet either until a long time after. Well, I think like during our I think Mountain probably had heralds visiting, which honestly, I think that my favorite NPC has probably been um, some of the heralds and in particular the female herald. I, I liked the lizard herald. Yeah, I like I like them. I, I think that's just been I think a fun concept and a really fun way for me to like keep some threads happening and like some of the failures that you guys have had I've like represented setbacks through things that have happened in the world as opposed to things that have happened directly to you. Um so that's just been a fun way of world building and like keeping things moving while also being really focused on the two of you. Um, so I, I've enjoyed that Harold um, and in particular that female Harold, but I think Theodora probably actually is my favorite NPC. I, I just enjoy the sassy old lady. <laughs> I think we kind of came around, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you guys have any questions before we wrap? Jim. Do you think there are any NPCs or moments that we... Obviously, I can think of one, but any moments where we lost the potential that you had in mind and you had a different, entirely different moment planned and then something different happened? Yeah. Uh, is it in it? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's one that I'm going to reclaim. Um, <laughs> like, I've got plans for one. Um, but I gave you guys these magical glasses in the university. Um, so we, st- we still have those, right? I feel like, yeah, yeah. You still have them. If someone's got the right, still have them. Yeah. Um, Great. but it was like, so you could see the like most significant moment in the history of someone or something like that. I don't quite remember off the top of my head. You intended that we use them on Th- Theodora, correct? I intended that you use them on Raylith and also on Theodora and you didn't use them on either. Um, and that was fine. <laughs> like that obviously happens when you're DMing. But the moments that I had written for both of them, I was kind of sad to not get to use. But that's fine. It is what it is. That is what happens when you prepare. And I I think that's been one of the interesting things about Quest is I've been preparing way less for this than I had for anything we've played previously. Like I kind of know the macro um, and a lot of the micro I let happen as it happens. But yeah, so I, I think that... With those two in particular, there were some moments that I wanted to kind of do that we didn't do. I think some of that is just the players you've got because we just, like, if you put a, anything that resembles a puzzle in front of us, we are, we get very solution-oriented. Yeah, work out as fast as we can get it out. Yeah, there's moments where I feel like I've kept that in mind and I've really planned around that. And then there's moments where I'm like, why didn't I see that coming? Like... And the time loop was an obvious example of that. Like, I just kind of thought you guys would spend some more time in that. I thought that was going to be, like, maybe three, four episodes where you guys kind of, like, 
did some things, explored some things, rather but than it was like the university with no time. Fifteen how minutes much time we had yeah. to play it. Fifteen minutes into the second episode, and you're just like, "Peace out, done with this time loop." <laughs> I think, I think that's kind of true, not just to like how John plays games, but also mm. like how Hatchet would do things. So like, yeah, I, I think there's a level of inspection where I'm kind of like, "Am I just like, like, am I like?" metagaming here and i'm like yeah. trying to like outsmart jim um but i think there's a level of it where i'm like i think hatchet is pragmatic and rational and yeah I think it made sense there's a level of it that's like i'm playing the character i think what hatchet would actually do is trying to solve this to get out of here like i think frank is also obviously pragmatic because that's the mountain values um but then he's also lofty and like what, like always wants the best outcome, I suppose, is, and sees the best in people, and so that also adds to that mm. like expedience, yeah, I guess, in situations. And I mean, I walked away from that episode really happy with how it landed, but I was also like, I should have seen that coming. I should have seen them like pretty much figuring out how to shortcut their way out of that. Um, but I just like I, I had that Stargate episode in my mind, and I just like. <laughs> Which one? There's a lot. The time loop episode. The time loop Stargate episode. Ah, oh, there's like three of those. I feel like no, you, the Groundhog one. Day for O'Neill. Ah, uh, like O'Neill yeah. and oh, I can't. We've remember just names. been watching it, so I, I do Tilk? enjoy a good Stargate Tilk. reference. Tilk yeah, and O'Neill are stuck in a time loop. Yeah, yeah, that is a good episode. That's like three seasons ago, so I was well into. Yeah, but I just remembered another moment that I really enjoyed. Which was um, the the moment where I hit the bomb. I t- just went in and touched the bomb right away. I didn't realize it was a bomb, obviously, yeah. but I thought that was the most hilarious consequence uh, when it just ex- immediately blew up. That that was fun, and like the initial death of you guys in that time loop was good fun. Um, John, did you have any questions before we wrap? What are you hoping to do more of as we continue, and what are you hoping to do less of? I take a lot of pauses as I say things sometimes. I'm hoping to get to doing less of that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I think that's probably something that I've noticed listening back to the episodes. More so editing the episodes. That's painful. Um, what I'm hoping to do more of, um, I've really enjoyed the earnest moments that we've had amongst the goofiness. I really enjoyed that flashback and I'm hoping to build to some more of those i have some kind of plans in place um that i'm hoping to get to with those do you guys have an answer for that question like does that also apply to your playing yeah i I think on a like a production level i'd like to get better at um doing the music um i think like all of the music we've been using has been kind of originally composed stuff yeah um but it's kind of taken the uh t- taken the form of just like little loops and kind of like eight bar loops and things like that and and maybe an a and a b section mm. um i do i do usually try and write it so that it has um a general a b c b a structure yeah. or something like that but jesse yeah, does a better job than me but yeah but i mean um, you guys have oh, both been I writing you're talking my song music <laughs> it's like man just coming at me with that. No, no, no. Like, your songs are basic, bro. <laughs> it's that <laughs> older brother vibe. I'm just going to tell yeah. you why your songs suck. Uh. <laughs> but I think it's it's been 
it, I think the tension and the trickiness is always yeah. just like you're kind of producing the podcast, Jim, because you're editing and you're um you're kind of DMing and guiding. So it's we're trying to still work out that kind of um like having you provide direction for the music and things like that, and mm. then being able to get that out in a time so we can get the episode done yeah. and get the episode yeah. released. So. Yeah, um, yeah, I think that like there. that on that particular note, it is like one of those things where Jim wants to tell us what's going on, but not tell us what's going on. So it's like this is going to be a scene where you do things. Please make music, and and you're like, I need the time that we require between the episode of recording and the music being made. But he can't tell us what we're going to do unless like we actually do that. Well, I think I always tell you after <laughs> like the episode's the made. Like sidestepping his stories accidentally. Yeah, no, I, I remember there was one where we knew there was going to be a fight scene, I think, or we knew there was going to be mm. something major. Oh, that's right, the law dump um, that you knew was going to happen because right. we, we were like, we sat down in the office, we knew that was going to happen. So you gave me a heads up. And I feel like that song and the one about the flashback, the, those mm-hmm. two that I wrote, I felt like were my best of the series um Mm. even if i think i remember playing it in my car and thinking i can't hear my song but i I, (laughs) then you hear it every now and then you're like oh there it is but um yeah that that's something that i want to get better at is making the songs too obviously Mm. but the in the sense of the game itself i think i want to have more moments where we can kind of use our abilities more effectively i guess and I don't know if that's actually on you, Jim. I think that's just more of us being more creative with our narrative usage. And and I guess you see that in my most recent episode because I'm wondering twice. if we need to multi-class uh, Hatchet oh, yeah. because he's all like he's very combat heavy in terms yeah, of abilities. I think that was also a, pr- uh, a pragmatic choice on John and I's yeah, part because we were metagaming in that sense where one of us is building. Like one of us is fighting and one of us is yeah, but quest yeah. is just not really centered around combat, and so I try to not be too combat heavy. I mean, we just did a session that had probably twenty minutes of combat at the top, but you you just awoke us in a scene with a very powerful being and the room full of enemy mobs. <laughs> yes, but I I tried. <laughs> that was to literally not do the last episode. Combat. The whole episode um, was combat. Yes, you were right, but. <laughs> I guess I want to do less of that then. Um, but anyway, so it, I just want to kind of wrap by saying like, thank you to everyone that has been telling friends about the podcast. Uh, I did not expect the kind of reception that we've had. I've been kind of blown away that people have been really vibing and enjoying what we're doing. Like we've been having a lot of fun making it, but hearing that people are enjoying it, that's that's really special. That's been really meaningful. I think it makes it easier, much easier to make it when we're having fun, but then it makes it all the more better when you guys are having fun too. Mm. Yeah. And I like that. Yeah. It makes me want to make it a priority for me, I guess, is yeah. how that kind of works out for me. It's less of a um, hobby now. It's more of a thing. Yeah. And it's just, it's nice to know that like people are enjoying it. It's not just us enjoying it. So, yeah, thank you so much for all the feedback we've received. Um, thank you for the constructive feedback that we've received. We've definitely been trying to take that on board as well, trying to make Jesse and John sound different. <laughs> <laughs> we 
We've been putting, we've been experimenting with vocal filters. I've been experimenting with the timeline, trying to see if I can go back in time and really influence the way that you guys develop as children. Um, But that's (laughs) as human beings in real life. Yeah, Mm. Uh, I feel like once you listen to us, you do realize that John and I sound very different. Uh, I mean, I think that's. It's the same with a lot of podcasts. Like, I think when I started listening to My Brother, My Brother and Me, I had the same problem. I was like, I can't tell any of these people apart. I think that's a pretty common complaint. Yeah. Yeah. I think you can tell who Griffin is and the other two you're like, I don't know. But then you get it. Yeah. It's just with context with time. But anyway, we were trying to say thank you to the fans. um, (laughs) Because, yeah, yeah, we just, I think we didn't expect to have fans we expect to have people that maybe listen to the show but having fans having people that like really enjoy it and reach out to us regularly like um that's been really amazing so thank you so much for your support it, it's meant the world to us mm. thanks Brilliant. thanks all right we're gonna leave it we'll be back uh next time with a normal real podcast not just us talking crap um but not just our self-indulgence yeah, yeah. Was a it little is bit. very self-masturbatory. I mean, I was going to say, I mean, I enjoyed it, but that doesn't help with what you just said. <laughs> it's not necessarily mutually exclusive. Uh, anyway, uh, thanks for joining us. This has been a podcast about friendship behind the rolls. We'll join you next time on a roll for friendship. Stay questy. Was it behind the rolls? I don't know. I feel like he said something different at the beginning. It doesn't matter. We're wrapping up. We're done. Yup. It ended, John. <laughs>